Welcome to The Ledger Show. Hi there, this is your host, Christian, and today we have Sandra Sol. She is a product manager for payments and invoices at Unity. Sandra, welcome to The Ledger Show. Thank you very much. So before like jumping into today's topics, how are we going to charge our cars in the future? Like, how are we going to pay for that? Like, who's going to manage the infrastructure? Um, how are we going to pay for it? Well, in an ideal world, uh, we're going to go with the flow. So that means the car start, uh, charges and pays by itself. So I think that's where it's eventually going to go, but there will probably be a couple of years in the future before that will happen. So the idea is to have like sort of automated in-car payments. Yes. Okay. Obviously, there there are future technologies already out there, like uh, Internet of Things. There's an Internet of Cars. We already have something called plug and charge, uh, obviously, where you just plug the car in, and depending on who your car provider is, the payments get sorted through that system. Obviously, the majority of customers are still utilizing car charging and car a car or payment for the charging in a way you pay at a petrol station, okay. which means you have to provide payment types that your standard customer that isn't very into technology can also use. So obviously, that's the first step to get mass adoption. And then in the future, however technology for the cars evolves and what the cars and the payment industry come up with, charging will fall in line. Is at least my opinion. I see. So you're in charge of the product of payments and invoicing at Unity. Which one is the other's one to deal with? They both have their challenges in a different way, if that makes sense. So obviously the payment is the element the customer is most concerned with because they they don't have any charge left in the car. They want to do this quickly. Obviously payment is part of it. And if there are challenges with the technology surrounding the payment, they're obviously not happy. And then the second thing comes in if there is an error in obviously the amount or how their banks are treating the technology we've set up, customers complain and are upset. So that's probably more the customer challenge. And then the whole element on the invoicing side is around VAT and the challenges we're having in the European countries we're dealing with, the authorities that are obviously requiring certain elements where we need to ensure the invoicing plus obviously all the VAT requirements are correct through the chain and that has its own complexity. That's pretty interesting. So I guess you're trying to build a product that works across the entire Europe. So you need to deal with every yes. lockout regulation. Okay. Correct. How does it look like from yours? We are getting there, but obviously the challenges is the startup industry. We are still a startup to a degree. Obviously operating pretty much straight away in 24 countries is a challenge. And at the moment, our offer is the same in every country, which obviously makes it to a degree simple in, you know, in, in a simple way. But at the same time, it brings with it the local regulations that we need to understand and then when needed implement. But at the same time, by having the same offer in every country, we're not necessarily as adapted to the local market as a local player is. So there will be challenges in the future on how we develop our offering specifically in the payment and invoicing to enable, for example, I don't know, you, you are obviously living in Germany. Germany has a gyro card. Other countries don't have a gyro card. You know, it's not enough to potentially just offer your visa and MasterCard. We need to offer something else. We know that some of the Scandinavian countries have something called VIPs. There are other local payment types in the Netherlands. There is different stuff going on in Poland and so on and so on. So obviously every nuance that makes us attractive in a local market 
is a challenge from an implementation point of view because you suddenly don't just offer one option, you suddenly offer 24 different things that you all have to manage. And obviously, still being a startup, there is a limited amount of workforce that needs to grow with the business. And the challenge is how many systems and processes do we add into the mix, still be able to manage the challenges we have. And I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges I'm having at the moment of getting the scalability right. So we have the right offer for our customers, but at the same time for Ionity to be able to manage that efficiently, well for the customer and also have the right cost base. Because obviously the more systems and processes you have, the more costly it will get at some point. I see. So one of your goal is to leverage like local rails to, through like to, to route payments through? Uh, potentially, yes. So obviously at the moment we are mainly focused on keeping up with the, with the market is probably the best uh, way to describe it. If I'm honest, the last six months have seen a massive growth for us, specifically in the payment space as well. So we implemented what we call direct payments, so where a customer can pay directly with Ionity about a year ago. Whilst the volumes were fairly insignificant for the business around this time last year, since Easter this year, the volume has grown significantly. And we are all predicting that it's going to grow even over the next months and years. And that obviously means from getting, let's say, over 24 countries, maybe 5,000 transactions a month, we're now in getting closer to 100,000 transactions. Obviously, that is just going to carry on growing. And that also means that we need processor systems, specifically in the payment and invoicing space, that are robust and correct, uh, both from an Ionity point of view and from a customer point of view. So the focus needs to be scalability that we're able to handle the volume. Um, and then once we're able to do that, the challenge will be to be attractive uh, enough with what we're offering um, to the local customers. So uh, if we're obviously just carrying on offering the basics, there will be a lot of, let's say, for example, German customers, if they're just charging within Germany, that will compare us to other companies that are really strong in Germany. And they say, yeah, well, if I go and charge at whatever the company might be, I can do this and this, but Ionity doesn't offer it. And then we will eventually start losing market share on usability from a payment point of view. So hence, that needs to be addressed and made competitive. You mentioned like direct payment. It's like a feature mm -hmm. that you have. It's like a wallet inside your application or? Um, well, the, the, I don't know how much you know about the market, but obviously the majority of the volume at the moment comes in through mobility service providers. That means there are third parties that have a contract with Ionity and they offer either a charge card, a so-called RFID tag, or they offer their own app. So a customer could utilize, let's say in, in, in Germany, as an example, ENBW offers with that app, a customer can charge at Ionity, they can charge at the Munich local stations, they could charge at the Berlin local stations, they can use E.ON, they can use Shell, they can use whatever, obviously ENBW has a contract with. So that that is the majority of the volume. The direct is where a customer just charges with Ionity. So they can utilize either our app or they can utilize a payment website, which is a QR code at the charges they can scan. So they don't need to sign up for the app. They just do one-off payment. Obviously that has its challenges as well, because you need a slightly tech savvy customer. So you need somebody who has a mobile phone with them. They need to be able to scan a QR code or download an app and then utilize, you know, the credit cards that they put either in the payment website or in the app to then start the charge if they don't have this RFID card. And where the industry is going now with regards to regulation is that it will become mandatory at the moment only in Germany as of next year that every new charger has a payment terminal integrated. And then 
We know that the EU is currently looking at a similar regulation, but that hasn't been decided yet, but it will come at some point in 2023, that for all EU countries, uh, the same requirement will be there. So obviously, one of my projects is to meet regulation, and we're looking at how we integrate payment terminals into the charges. And that is an additional, obviously, payment type, direct payment that we have. So that will only be customers that will pay directly with Ionity. So for example, an EMBW customer wouldn't be able to utilize that with the rates they're getting. So it would be Ionity rates. So a charging station will become like a vending machine and then you're going to tap your phone. Yeah. Basically, you're going to charge your car. You can tap your phone or you can hold your card against it or it, it needs pin, pin entry as well. So you can put it in. And the only thing we are not able to do is obviously cash payments. I don't think we will get anywhere near that. But considering, as I mentioned at the beginning, the volumes are increasing. We are having increased customer bases that are new to us. So you have your, if I describe it, you know, your standard person now. So it's not the early adopter. So it's your elderly couple that, you know, decided the last car they get is now an EV for their Sunday drives. You have families having EVs, et cetera, because they're more environmentally conscious. So you know, we obviously need to offer payments that anybody can utilize. And obviously there's still in some countries an affinity against, how should I say, utilizing apps, utilizing or giving customer data out. So hence they need to have an ability to pay in a standardized way that is not an app payment. I see. I guess that the goal is to really reduce the friction on the payment side. That should be as easy as possible. It is, yes. It needs to be as easy as possible because we shouldn't, how should I say, prevent customers from charging their car because the way the payment is working is awkward. Obviously, there are a lot of differences compared to getting petrol for your car. So because of the technology involved. So what I'm seeing is that it's not necessarily always the payment's fault if it's not working, but we obviously interact between the car the charger and the app at the moment. So there's three technology elements involved and any three of them could have a problem. And as we are in an industry where we only know the final after the service has been delivered, we need a mechanism to check a customer and allow a customer to start a charge. Otherwise, obviously, Ionity will not get the money from those customers. And that is at a detriment to us because we will have no means of actually, you know, surviving and, and making money. So the challenge is the customer can't start the EV charge without having the payment card authorized. That's the same in the app as it will be for a payment terminal. You know, we need to get it authorized. But as I said, there are challenges in it. So obviously, if the payment card goes through, then the customer can start and see the charge. But it's not as simple as, you know, you just press the hose and the petrol comes out. There are various IT systems involved that need to talk to each other. And obviously the car could have a timeout or whatever challenges doesn't recognize that it's allowed to charge. The charger could have problems. So there's a lot of technology obviously involved in getting, you know, it from a authorized payment to charging your car. And that still needs, at least in my opinion, quite a bit of improvement. We're working on it very heavily and to make that customer experience better. But it always, unfortunately, in a way, starts with a payment. And um, that's how customers see it, that the payment isn't working. Yeah, I totally understand. It can be like when you try to buy something that it doesn't work, the first thing that you do is either close the page or move to the next thing. Yeah, exactly. Are you also working or focusing on the post, like on a post-pay solution, like with subscription or like payment at uh, the end of the month? Yes, we have subscriptions. So obviously we offer that to our mobility service provider and we have a direct Ionity subscription as well. Obviously that one only works with Ionity chargers. At the moment that is only available through the app and... 
that has its own challenges, if I'm perfectly honest. With regards to monthly payments, that is on my roadmap. But obviously that has slightly different challenges because you have to credit check if you give them, you know, a, a credit limit for X amount of euros, for example, for a month before we then get the money. The challenge again is 24 countries because at the moment we don't want to just offer it, for example, in Germany, and then the rest of our customers will not be able to get it. Hence, you know, integrating credit check companies in 24 countries and finding service providers to do that is a huge undertaking. So I still need to work out how and when we do that. But at the moment, my tech stack has more elements on it to ensure scalability and a smooth payment for the credit card types than allowing invoices per month, if I'm honest. It's really interesting you mentioned the credit card, like, like the credit check, because I was checking this the other day, like to find a, like a solution provider in Europe to do credit check on companies. And it's really hard to find someone that could provide a solution across, I don't know, 24 countries. I thought, okay, I'm just going to integrate with an API. It's going to be super simple, but no, that's not the answer. No. It is not, no. Yeah. There, there are a lot of nuances where, again, it, it comes down to what each country is doing, what the regulation is. Some countries like the UK are a lot more stringent than others. Depending on what providers are available, it can get very complicated or simpler. But I used to work in this space in my previous job, and that was just in the UK. And I know how difficult it is to do the whole credit check portfolio on customers. Hence, doing that times 24 is a huge undertaking. Yeah, I totally understand that. You mentioned that you're also like providing also billing cap capabilities inside your platform. I guess also having that is not easy and like when you're scaling up in 24 different countries, like can, can you tell us a little bit more about are you doing billing and invoicing together? Obviously, we, as I said, we authorize the, the payment type, whether or not that comes in from a mobility service provider or from a direct customer. And then we have various engines that are set up. So we obviously have to recognize what tariff this customer is on. So, you know, for example, our standard rate at the moment for direct customer is 79 euro cents per kilowatt. That is recognized through the medium he comes in. And then we essentially count how many kilowatt hours the customer charges. And at the end, there is a rating engine that then rates the full charge. And then there's a final amount, depending on what country the charger is in, what the VAT rules are for a direct customer or a B2B customer. Everything gets rated. And then we utilize this information to then either debit the customer's credit card or in the case of our B2B suppliers, we then collect all that information and do a monthly invoice. But there, there is a lot of complex logic in there. Obviously, again, the 24 countries, it depends on the tariffs we're using and the pricing models we're offering, if there are any discount elements in there. So there's a, an array of complexity in there, obviously. And the challenge of the invoicing system and the payment system is to ensure we get the data at the right time into the right system to then make sure everything works as smoothly as we can. I mean, you mentioned so many components in like 30 seconds. Like, <laughs> I think I lost a few of them, like engine rating, then uh, yeah, BAT, and then you have a, a couple of other things related to B2B. So I, I guess it has to be really complex. Um, yeah, it is really complex. Yeah, we're doing that in-house and obviously have a great IT team that is able to, you know, adjust based, based on market demands, etc. And then the challenge for me is we are still using a lot of third-party providers in the obviously payment space we have in the invoicing space as well. And we need to ensure that the systems are integrated correctly. They talk to each other at the right speed with the right data and the correct data and then make sure that there is in a way, no detriment to the customer, no detriment to Ionity either. 
How is it going with the integration? Because uh, from my perspective, when you try to integrate, especially on the voice side, different providers, it could be pretty hard because maybe they have a different models or they work specifically in a country and they have a different way of doing this. It's also the same on your side, um, that you're having a different experience. It is. Obviously, we integrated one provider last year when we established the That took a lot longer than I think anybody anticipated. Again, because of the complexity with the 24 countries, testing in itself, whether it's at Ionity or at our service providers, is very complicated. And anything we integrate is always times 24. But I think we, at least with the service providers we have at the moment, we found a good way of working with them ensuring we all understand the complexities of our model and it's been adjusted to what Ionity needs. Because you so, mentioned you also have an in-house provider, like you you have an in-house team building this, like is the idea to for ramping up data and implementation and then for the like further expansion of the company, whether it's going to be in Europe or in another country, leverage your internal team or like use an external provider as a way to speed up your, your like your expansion, for example. It's both, actually. So I think initially we started off with a full provider for everything. We're at a phase now where we are slowly pulling everything in. And as I said, the elements that are unique to Ionity, so I mentioned the rating engine and things like this, that is definitely elements that Ionity wants to. The payment service providers, we will have to have third parties because Ionity does not have a banking license and we will not get a banking license. And from an invoicing point of view, I think for the the stage we're at the moment, that is definitely the right approach we have utilizing expertise of external companies. And then we have to see how the market and the business is developing over the next couple of years. Like, let's say that there is another company now trying to build like, like a specific billing and invoicing solution for, I don't know, their marketplace, or it could be a, I don't know, like high volume business. Like, is there any suggestion that you, you would probably share with their product manager about like, we need to build this system and like we don't find any kind of provider outside. We have this sort of requirements, like what are the things they, they shouldn't overlook? What are the things they should look for? Well, if you're looking at the invoicing element, I think the challenge is finding a way of uh, well, a flexible system that can address changes fairly simply and not, you know, having a complicated code behind it that is very difficult to adjust. Obviously, the challenge we're having with our 24 country setup, I'm not sure how often that does happen. You, again, need the flexibility with language logic and the whole VAT logic. Obviously, the challenge is, do you have a, your own SAP system that can take all the accounting information? That was one, one of the challenges or is still one of the challenges we're having. Whilst, whilst we're developing is ensuring the accounting, the bookkeeping, the reconciliation of payments with money that's actually coming in from the payment service providers into our bank accounts. There's an awful lot of work that needs to happen that obviously we need to do as a company. So we're auditable as well. Our books are in order. We can show that we've had X number of orders in. That's how they went through the system. That's what we got, etc. And obviously, if you are a, a very small company, that is a huge process to set up specifically if you are dealing with direct customers. So I mentioned at the beginning, we started off with maybe a thousand orders a month. We're getting closer to a hundred thousand. So obviously reconciling a hundred thousand orders every month, if you have one person working in finance is not feasible. So those are the considerations you need to have. And why probably if you start up as a, a very small business, you probably cannot do that by yourself. If you're going into the B2C space. Yeah, I guess it makes a lot of sense. Like spreadsheet will not get you that far. No. 
definitely not. Can you tell us a little bit more about your current, I don't know how to call it, like finance tech stack or how you run all the systems together? Mention SAP, so I guess that's one of the things you integrate with. Yes, obviously we're using a service provider and they feed all the information into their SAP. So ultimately we have, as I mentioned earlier, we have our own rating engine and billing engines where we generate the final amount a customer needs to pay. That information then gets passed on to the payment service providers or the invoicing provider through APIs. And then obviously the payment service provider is the one that pulls the money from the customers. They obviously have a, you know, a compliant system process that we follow. So we, for example, don't hold any credit card information that all sits with the payment service providers because we're not supposed to do that. And then from an invoicing point of view, we have a process set up that as soon as the payment was authorized by the payment service provider, our invoice provider creates an invoice. We then send that invoice to the customer on email, but that is only feasible through our app process where we know the customer. If we don't know the customer, then obviously there's no, and all the invoice data gets reconciled. So our service provider is checking that the money has come in into our bank accounts, creates daily and monthly reports. And at the same time, they're sending all of that information back through another API into our internal SAP system for our accounting team to then, yeah, do the internal reconciliation in a way. I see. So your system, like your HeyNow system sits at the top of let's say the offer, the API offers of the other service provider. Okay, that's pretty interesting. And now that, I mean, you mentioned the 1000 like transaction per month, I guess you have a goal to probably scale it also because of this function of the industry. So I guess yes. it's going to be tenfold or twentyfold for the next couple of years. Probably. I mean, I think we're all trying to forecast as much as we can, but if I'm honest, the numbers are changing on a monthly basis. So what we thought was the right forecast or the right split is already surpassing everything pretty quickly. So if you, I did some forecasting the other day, I probably had numbers from my internal business team, let's say four weeks ago, I think they're already not quite right again. So that the industry is growing so fast and rapidly that, you know, we continuously need to adjust numbers and check if everything is still in order. Are you currently focusing only on Europe or you think also to expand in the US? We're focusing only on Europe. At okay. the moment. So I guess you have, let's call them a, a limited set of cross-border challenges. Uh, if you're talking US, yes, but obviously the whole of Europe has its own challenges in, in itself. You know, at the moment we don't have any service providers that are outside of Europe, but you still have the challenge that everybody's in the European Union. So there are, you know, different regulations and things that, that we need to look. The whole bank account management, currency management is still a challenge, even in Europe, because not everybody trades in euros. Hence that, that needs careful management. As I mentioned earlier, the AT logic. Different countries have different rules, which becomes difficult um, the moment we integrate because they always want the, the relevant VAT for the country they're charging in. But then the company, it's, uh, as an example, company is in Germany, but the employee charges in Poland. And then there's different VAT rules. It suddenly gets extremely complicated that we have everything right. So there are still more than enough challenges that we need to resolve correctly. It sounds as complex, even more complex than e-commerce where so the location of the user doing the transaction is the location you need to consider for the VAT. Yeah, that is the same we have, but there is something at least in, in Germany and as far as I remember, Austria, Switzerland fall into that as well, is kind of a regulation of reselling of energy. 
which has a different VAT treatment. So for example, if we have an EMBW customer utilizing the app and they would have a company invoice. So let's say they, they say I'm EMBW customer XYZ. I have to treat them differently in the uh, VAT than if it's, let's say you who have nothing to do with electricity. And it's obviously ensuring that if we have invoices that are being utilized in tax reporting, that those have the right uh, VAT treatment. Okay. And it's a big minefield, if I'm honest, we haven't tackled 100% yet. Well, it was super interesting. Like, I mean, from the outside, it looks a lot, there is a lot of fragmentation, I would say. And really hard to understand how this system really works also because the regulation is like changing every day they have new things and i, I mean i totally understand europe is trying to do their best to you know smooth the process and reduce the friction for charging your car everywhere in europe so it was uh, yeah it was was super insightful i would say it's time to wrap up sandra so mm -hmm. i'm just going to ask you a few questions just to close the interview the first one is what is the best piece of career advice that you have received I actually haven't received career advice. It was probably more that I give career advice to a lot of my working students, et cetera, which is basically, you know, stay open, learn as much as you can, and don't just focus on one industry. Because I found, at least in my career, in a way, industry hopping gives you a bit of flexibility and new insights into how to approach, for example, if you come out of a service industry, specifically around IT, a lot of things are being approached differently than if you come out of a manufacturing background. And having a bit of a mix of both, I find quite, and, you know, just stay open-minded, try different things and uh, try and develop your career. That's a really good advice. So next one, what book would you recommend to our audience? I did read one book as part of my role as a product owner, which still stuck with me, which is called The Goal, which is about eliminating, but even though it's one of those, how should I say, agile books, but it's written as a really nice story. And it was a really good read where you can learn a lot of things that apply to your private life as well as to business. Okay. What's your main passion outside of work? <laughs> Volleyball. Okay. I yeah. coached a lot of volleyball and yeah, have had a lot of children in the past 20 years that have gone through my coaching and I still enjoy it. And it's very rewarding seeing them thrive and love the sport I love. You've been like a coach for a long time, right? Yeah, I started coaching when I was 16 and I was coaching the national squads in Wales. So obviously I left that behind. But last week I did training camp in Munich. It was about 39 to 12 year olds in 34 degree heat at the beach courts. So, but uh, they all loved it. Um, most of them nice. want to carry on playing, which is... Is there any podcast that you would like to share with the audience about payments or product? I gotta have a confession to make. I've never listened to a podcast. I'm a reader, so I tend to read. And if I do listen to anything, it's either music or some audiobooks. But I haven't quite found the time for podcasts yet. It makes sense. And the last question, is there anything you're learning right now? I mean, anything in particular? I think the main thing that I find quite interesting at the moment is the speed of the industry and how to manage your business in line with it. So to ensure that we grow in a sustainable, scalable and secure way. And that is something I haven't experienced yet in the companies I've worked before. And I find this very interesting, but it's also extremely challenging. And yeah, there's a lot to learn as a business, but also personally, it yeah, makes me grow and see things differently again. I see. It's like every month or every three months, the world looks like different from the inside. Yeah. It does. Yeah. 
and obviously ensuring that you stay on top of it. I think that's been the challenge in the last uh, probably three months. I've had a lot of project work and you get immersed in deadlines, project work, and sometimes you lose the bigger picture. And now, you know, realizing you should have done something a lot earlier is difficult. But again, as I said, you learn. So that's something that will not happen again. And you approach your work differently and you need to look at it from a way more strategic point of then it's just your project work you know it's important that we set up the business for success all of us in ionity and in order to do that you need to look outside your box in a way you know not just do your projects or what you're supposed to do but you need to do a lot more planning long-term planning a lot earlier and faster than probably a lot of us are used to because the industry might just overrun us if we're not you know on top of things I guess you mentioned this because your previous experience was at Barclays, right? It was, yeah. Obviously, so it it's was, a big okay. corporate. It it moves in a slightly different pace. And, you know, as I said, being in the uh, mobility industry now, with this exceptional growth plus a startup, that mix is very interesting at the moment. And, uh, yeah, there, there's so much movement. That, as I said, uh, the, the way you work, you just have to adapt. Even in the payment space, you know, when I started last year, I was like, oh, we'll never do NFC payments, you know, uh, physical card is out, you know, we have to go back, you know, we have to go into the virtual cards and all of that. And now uh, regulation comes in, we have to go to that. And at the same time, you realize by working with the customers and seeing how the market is developing, the market isn't ready for the virtual stuff. It has to take the step back to go. I keep calling it the charging experience needs to be the same as getting petrol. If we establish that, then we can grow into the new space. But unless we establish that and we have mass adoption, we haven't done our job right. And I think it's for a lot of people to also see that the mobile phone as a payment isn't enough anymore. You know, we need to enable every customer, no matter who's turning up, to charge. And that's not saying, oh, by the way, I don't care if you don't have a mobile phone, you can't use it. We have to offer them what they want. And that's a mindset change that, that only comes in by, you know, seeing how the industry is developing and what's happening there. So always putting the customer first and whatever the, the rail he or she likes, okay? Yeah, at the, at the end of the day, without customers, we don't have a business. So if we don't give the customer what they want, they're not coming back to us. We're losing them. So we also need to change our own thinking and go in line with what the customers actually want. Again, that was that's a great answer. Sandra, it was, was a pleasure to have you here. So if people want to find more about Unity, they can check the website, unity.eu. And yep. if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Um, either LinkedIn, um, obviously, um, Sandra Stoll and um, Ionity normally should find me, or you can send me an email, um, which would be sandra.stoll at ionity.eu. Okay, cool. Sandra, thank you for joining me today. It was a pleasure and wishing you the best. Thank you very much. Enjoyed it as well.